Well, good morning. I brought my lunch. Uh, <clears throat> so, no, don't worry. <laughs> it's not my lunch. Uh, you may, uh, there are some good things in there, though. Well, yesterday afternoon <clears throat> at 2 o'clock, I get the telephone call. And, uh, you know, you're, you always think there's going to be that call that comes either early in the morning from your pastor and says, I don't feel good. Well, yesterday afternoon around 2 o'clock, <clears throat> Lynn and I, we were out uh, just doing some things and and um, I was driving and my phone rang and <clears throat> I couldn't get my phone out of my pocket in time to, to answer Kyle's telephone call. And so Lynn must have had this gut feeling that she said, you better call him back now. And so I called him and sure enough, on the other end, it's Kyle and he said, Dale, I am just not feeling well. You might ought to be ready just in case. Now, let me tell you, Kyle loves to preach. He loves this place. And uh, amen. And, uh, and it comes so easy to him. But uh, for some of us, it comes a little harder to prepare a message. You know, they say that on the average, those who are seasoned pastors, now I'm seasoned, but I'm not necessarily... I'm in age, okay? Uh, I haven't preached that many times. I've preached uh, several times over the years, but not week after week. But they say that the seasoned pastor, uh, preacher, will spend 20 hours a week on one message. And uh, for some of those of us who don't preach, it takes us longer. So uh, I appreciate your prayers today. After I hung up from Kyle, I took Lynn home and I said, well, I'm going to the office. And I don't know when I will be home. It may be Sunday morning before I get home. I don't know when I'll get home. And she said, well, do you want me to bring you something to eat? And I said, no, I don't. I don't want anything <coughs> to eat. But I sat there in my office, excuse me, <coughs> I'll tell you about this in just a little bit. <coughs> I sat there in my office and um, trying to prepare my heart and prepare my mind for today. And, um, you know, to be quite honest with you, there, you know, in all of our lives, there are those times maybe that we are in a dry spot in our lives. Even as pastors, we hit dry spots. Some of us may be more than others. I don't know. But uh, for a while, I have been in that dry spot a few weeks ago. And uh, I said, Lord, what do I have that I could give your people today? God, speak into my life what you want me to tell them this morning. And I don't know, maybe <clears throat> that's where you're at this morning. Maybe you're in a dry spot. Maybe your life, you put on that mask when you <clears throat> come to church and, and then you take that mask off when you get home. 
But maybe that's where you're at today. Maybe if you were honest with yourself, with God, and with me, God knows. God knows where you're at in your relationship with him. But maybe if you were honest today, maybe you would say, Dale, I've kind of hit a dry spot. And <clears throat> I really don't know exactly what to do. You know, there are a lot of products out there that uh, promise big results, right? Um, you know, if you look on uh, social media, you'll see different ads. Uh, you can read it in magazines um, that promise big results. But then at the bottom of whatever it is that uh, they're advertising, what does it say? Results may vary. And you know, chances are you have just spent a lot of money on something that's not going to work. Now, I'm not saying all of those products don't work, but I have found that a majority of them, they don't work. And, um, well, for instance, this right here, one of our church members told me about this. He said, Dale, if you have a sore throat, <clears throat> this will take care of it. It's called germaclens. It says that it will kill most anything, mold, mites. Um, it's a good to, uh, to neutralize toxic chemicals. So I went to this place here in town and, and I bought it, <clears throat> 12 bucks for this little bottle. And I thought, well, that's going to be the cure. You know, I trusted this guy in our church. I won't tell you what his name is. It starts with Robert. But, um, and he has a good friend named J.D. and Dana. Does that, I didn't give that away, did I, Robert? But I took this, I took it home. Well, before I went home, the guy that I bought it from, it's a legitimate store here in town, he said, Dale, this is good for your throat. Now, when uh, Grant came on staff, I had him try it. And I mean, he's a big guy. And he cried like a baby. <laughs> Maybe not that far. <clears throat> Sorry. I'm exaggerating just a little bit. But uh, the guy that I bought this from, he said, Dale, you just take and squirt about three squirts in your mouth. Your sore throat will be gone. And I thought, that's awesome. He said, and if you need to clean your toilets at home, <laughs> it's good to clean the toilets as well. So I sprayed that in my mouth, and I thought Jesus was coming back. <laughs> I was hoping Jesus would come back and, and take me home. Sometimes things don't always turn out the way they're supposed to. What else do I have? I, uh, <clears throat> not in this church, so Mark, I'm not talking about you, Mark Malik. We had a student pastor one time, not here, okay, I'm, I'm, you know, this is to protect the innocent. 
um, we had a student pastor that was getting 40-ish, you know, and, and he wanted to be relevant with the students, and, and uh, he wore the skinny jeans and, you know, all that stuff, and, and, but he was going bald right back here. And uh, that bothered him. I mean, he had black hair, and, but it bothered him that that was, was shining. And so he bought this stuff, that uh, spray-on stuff, that you can spray on your head, and it looks like you're growing hair. And so uh, one Sunday he did this, and the air conditioners quit working in the church. And uh, Tom and Linda, you may remember this. I just gave away the church there. But, uh, but uh, the air conditioners quit, and we were standing, sitting right behind the student pastor. Well, Lynn nudged me, and she goes like this. That stuff was running down the back of his neck. I don't know if he was trying to be the chia pet or what, but yeah, that didn't work. Some things just don't work. I love peanut butter. <clears throat> I took this out of the cabinet this morning, and I love peanut butter. Peanut butter is good on anything, crackers, bread. Um, well, it's even, it's even good on celery. I sprayed some of that germacleanse on celery this morning. Oh, man, just to see. Let me, let me do this real quick. Just so you get the effect of it. Okay. Those that are sitting over here on the wings, you're going to smell that in just a little bit. I probably shouldn't have done that because that's probably going to eat the finish. Ooh finish off of the steps but I love celery I love to put peanut butter on it and eat it <clears throat> well someone the other day had some celery and they uh, said I want you to try this drink and so they put this in one of those blenders and they blended it up and I don't know if they put a little water in it I, it looked like I mean, it was as liquid as this right here. And uh, <clears throat> they said, take a drink of that. I said, I'd really rather not. Because <laughs> I really like celery and I love peanut butter. And there's no peanut butter in this drink. But I, I went on ahead and I, I drank some of it. The thing is, not all of it was chopped up. You know, if you take celery like that and you pull it uh, got those strings and so some of those strings were still in that drink and <clears throat> I think some of them are wrapped around my vocal cords <clears throat> I think it's on my tonsils or whatever and and, um, you know, my, there you go, Grant. Mm. Do you want the peanut butter to go with it? You know, my taste buds, they were screaming. Kinetic, you smell it, don't you? 
I'm sorry. I may have sprayed too much. <laughs> My taste buds were screaming at me. They said, Dale, you know we love chocolate. We love dark chocolate. And Michael, you didn't bring me any dark chocolate today. My taste bud said, Dale, you know we're used to you getting that popcorn from the movie theaters and just layering it in butter. What do you mean giving us ground-up celery? Ah, that's supposed to help you with your, with your um, metabolism and all that. I don't know if it did. My last one is <clears throat> there are over 3,500 promises in God's Word to us straight from our Heavenly Father. And uh, you know, when our Father promises something to us, it's going to happen, right? Let me show you some. Sorry about that on the front row. <clears throat> in Malachi, this is where they're, it's talking about giving. It says, Test me in this way, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not ruin the produce of your land and your vines in your field will not fail to produce fruit, says the Lord of hosts. Over in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, the following, the verses just before this one talks about, you know, if, if you're worried about things going on in your life, if you're worried about if, if God's going to provide. In verse 33, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. God made a promise there to us. And one other one. In uh, John chapter four, 14, verse 3, says, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. A great promise from God's Word. You know, I, uh, going along with the theme of Change Your World in 52 Days, I wrote down when Kyle first preached the first message in that series, I wrote down some things in my own life that I wanted to see changed. Not all of those dealt with our spirit, my spiritual walk with the Lord. One of them was that uh, I collect receipts. You know, I have an attic, or had an attic, full of about 15 boxes over the past 20 years of receipts that I kept. So I just like to know how much I spend or we spend. 
Well, one of my goals was to get rid of all of those boxes so my kids wouldn't have to when I'm no longer around. You know, I'm in heaven. And I didn't want Lynn to have to do that either. So one of my deals, one of my things during those 52 days was to get rid of stuff, just junk, things that we didn't need. Another one of those was I was determined that I was going to eat better. And that's been tough because I love to eat. And uh, someone brought me some chocolate and put it on the front pew up here. Guard that with your life, okay? Don't let that go. I want to mention some things that will change your life, that will change our world if we follow these things. In Matthew chapter 6, we see that there are three disciplines that we are to do as, as believers in Christ. These are not an option for us. These are some things that Jesus said you are to do. We are to pray, we are to give, and we are to fast. You might say, well, Dale, I have heard that before. I have heard, even from you, Dale, many messages on prayer and fasting. The question is not, how many times have you heard a message on this passage of Scripture? Or how many times have you read this passage of Scripture? I think the question that we need to ask ourselves is, are we applying this to our daily lives? I have heard many messages on different topics. And sometimes they just go right out, one ear, right in one ear and out the other. And I've heard those messages and I think, Dale, you really haven't done anything about it. You know, to be honest, when Kyle talked a few weeks ago about fasting, I wasn't real excited about it, to be honest. I, and if you're honest, some of you would say the same. And you, you might say, well, Dale, you're a pastor, man. What's wrong with you? Well, I struggled. You know, uh, <clears throat> for me, fasting, I love to eat. I love to eat uh, movie theater popcorn, okay? I just, I love to eat. But, uh, you know, I thought, okay, Kyle is asking us to do it. And I wasn't struggling because he asked us to do it. I was just struggling because of where I was at in my walk with Christ. And, you know, I, I knew that I needed to do that. I knew, we, Lynn and I have fasted many times, you know, and, and we understand the benefits that one gets when, when one fasts and the, how close you get to the Lord. I knew I needed to do that. But uh, I thought, okay, uh, my heart is really not right right now with the Lord. But I'm going to do it because my pastor asked us to do it. I went in with the wrong attitude, and I fell. Some of you, he asked us to do that, and you didn't even attempt it. You know, and I'm not patting myself on the back by any means, but I, I, I knew 
I was going to give in. And um, to that temptation of food, that I, it was not going to be a great experience. Wednesday nights have been such an incredible time up here at the church, folks. If you're staying home, shame on you. We have three Bible studies going on for the adults. Uh, one for women, one for men, and then we have a study that deals with prayer. I've been attending the one on prayer because I know that's something that, that will change my life. The more I get into prayer, the more I get into to, 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 the, uh, to being in God's presence, the more my life will be more like Him. And uh, this has been a great study from Frank Deride and John Mickey, and I have just received so much from this study. And God has spoken to me in so many ways. You know, if we're honest with God, and if we look at those three disciplines, those three things that God asks us to do, what would you say about your prayer life? Is it what it should be? You know, you might say, sometimes I, I pray. You know, whenever I'm getting ready to get a speeding ticket, I'm praying for that officer. Lord, please let him have mercy on me. Now, I'm not talking about myself. I, I might be in that, uh, that position sometime. But, um, you know, sometimes we pray when we are faced with difficult circumstances, and we should pray when we're in those things. You know, we pray at the meal. We pray at different times. But how is your prayer life? You might say, uh, Dale, I think it's all right. It could be better. What about uh, in the area of giving? You might say, Dale, I struggle with that. It is hard for me uh, to give of my time, of my energy. You know, Lord, they ask us to teach in the preschool and children's area. And I'm not sure that I like preschoolers. I'm not sure that I like children. How do you know until you give it a try? You are in the student area. I have uh, grandkids that are in preschool, they're in grade school, and they're in youth. And I love them all. And they, they help me they, to be more like Jesus. They help me with my patience. Uh, you might say, Dale, just giving to the church, I haven't been very faithful in doing that. I struggle with that. Or you might say, Dale, about fasting. Now you're talking about me giving up something. You're talking about me giving up my popcorn, my chocolate. That's why Michael brings me dark chocolate. is because dark chocolate is good for you. Now sometimes his dark chocolate is really, really dark. And it's hard, it's very bitter. But fasting, how are you doing with fasting? You know, I believe that if we neglect one of these areas, whether it's in our prayer life, whether it's in our giving or our fasting, it will affect the other areas, the other two areas. One of the greatest passages of Scripture in the Bible is 
uh, John chapter 17. It has been referred to as the Holy of Holies of the New Testament. It is a prayer that Jesus prayed in, in the Bible. If you'll turn with me, let's look at that. Some people have said that this prayer of Jesus is the most remarkable prayer that has ever been uttered on this earth. Others say that there is no voice which has ever been heard in heaven or on earth that is more exalted, more holy than this prayer of Jesus. Since it's such an awesome passage of Scripture, I want to take the time this morning to read the entire chapter. John chapter 17. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son also may be glorified, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to those as many as you have given to him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given to me to do. And now, O oh Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Verse 6, I have manifested your name to the, to the men who you have given to me out of this world. They were yours. You have given them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known all things uh, which you have given to me are from you. For I have given them uh, the words which you have given me, and they have received them and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours, and all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given to me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me I have kept, and none of them is lost, except the son of perdition, uh, that is, the, the, as the scriptures might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Verse 14, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also sent them into the world. And for their sake, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Verse 20, I do not pray for those alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, 
<coughs> excuse me, <coughs> that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which I gave you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me, they may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me. For you uh, loved me before the foundations of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known you, uh, sent me, known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name, and I will declare it. And the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. In this passage of Scripture, we see that Jesus prayed for himself. He prayed for his disciples, and he prays for us. Each of these three prayers could be a message in itself, but I want to focus on one aspect of this. I want to give just a brief focus of how he prayed for himself and how he prayed for his disciples, and then I'll talk more about he pray, how he's prayed for us. Jesus knew what was ahead of him. He knew the arrest. He knew about the trial. He knew about the beatings, the cross, the tomb, and the resurrection that, that Grant has led us in this morning as we worship our Lord through, through praising him. The focus of the prayer for himself we see in verse 4. It says, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given to me. Jesus knew that there were going to be those dark days in his life. He knew that there was going to be that time that he would take his disciples out into the garden and, and uh, where he would pray and ask that if it was the Father's will to let this cup pass from him. By the way, Jesus drank the cup that we deserved. He drank the cup of wrath that you and I, because of our sin, that we deserved. But Jesus drank it for us. Jesus knew that there were going to be those dark days ahead of him. Billy Graham said this, No matter, what, no matter how dark or hopeless a situation might seem, Never stop praying. Jesus prayed for himself. He prayed for his disciples. He knew what these guys were going to be going through. John chapter 14, Jesus is addressing his disciples there. He says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'm going to come and get you. And later on in that verse, he talks about the peace of God that I uh, preached about a few weeks ago, that he gives us a peace when we're going through those tough times. He knew that his disciples 
uh, were going to be going through some tough times. Can you imagine when they seen Jesus hanging on the cross, when they seen Jesus take that last breath on the cross? It could have went just the other way. They could have said, it's over. He's dead. He's gone. You know, they had seen Jesus do all of these miracles throughout uh, his ministry and when the disciples were with him. But here we see that Jesus is praying that they would remain as one. Verse 11, I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Father, keep them through your name, those whom you have given to me, that they may be one as we are. I am so thankful that it didn't end at the cross. Amen. Amen. I am so thankful that when they took Jesus off the cross, his dead body off the cross, and they put him in that tomb, that three days later he arose from that tomb. It wasn't over. But think about what could have happened if the disciples, when they seen Jesus take his last breath on the cross, think what could have happened if they'd have said, just go, we're just going to go our own way. I'm so thankful that Jesus prayed for them. Jesus knew the importance of the mission that those men had. I want to spend a little bit more time, <clears throat> I know we're getting close, on how he prayed for us. You know, not only did he pray for the disciples to be one, but he also prayed for us to be one. I won't take the time to read verses 20 through 26, but you can see it there. That Jesus, he not only prayed that the disciples would continue and that they would be one, but he's praying for you. He prayed for you and I that we would be one. How desperately does our world need to see that we're one? What does the world see today? They see a lot of fragmentation in the church, in the churches, or in Christianity. They see a lot of bickering and fighting among God's people. Jesus knew that we needed to be one. And as a church family, we are one. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are to love one another. The Bible says, by this all will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Folks, we need to make a difference in the world that we live. Over the last month or so, I have done two funerals of people who did not have a church home. We think our mission field is across the world. Our mission field, folks, is right here. Both of these families were great families. I would love to have spent time with them, you know, outside of the situation that, that they found themselves. But they had no church home. No one to reach out 
and to minister the love of Christ to. Folks, Jesus is praying for us to be one. We have a mission. God has sent us on a mission right here in Amarillo, Texas. Your mission field is your neighborhood. There are many people within your neighborhood who probably do not attend church anyplace, who probably do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, let me back up. I'm not saying that these two families that I did their service for are, are not Christians. They just don't attend church in Amarillo. And we know what the Bible says about the importance <clears throat> of gathering together to worship Him. But there are people all around us, throughout our neighborhoods, in our schools, that do not attend church, who do not have a place that they can call their home. Jesus Christ is there for me. He has always been there, and he will always be there. No matter what you're going through in your life today, Jesus Christ is there for you. No matter how dark of the days that you're in right now, and maybe you're not in those any dark days, but I, let me tell you that Jesus is right there with us no matter where we find ourselves today. And I want to encourage you, just as Jesus did, that we pray for one another, that we get involved in the lives of those around us, and even in the lives of those that we may not even know, and that we share the love of Christ. I'm going to ask Grant and his team to come. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads just for a few moments. You know, I think about <clears throat> all that Jesus has done for me. With your heads bowed, I just want you to get a picture in your mind of what we sing about today. About how Jesus was hung on the cross, how he arose from the grave that he lives today. I want to ask you, what would your life look like? What would my life look like if I lived out, if we lived out these three things that Jesus said that we are to do on a daily basis? Not just when we feel like we need to pray or that when somebody says we need to give or, and serve or, or when we have a season of fasting, but what would our lives look like if we did this on a regular basis? What would our church look like? More specifically, the church at Quail Creek. What would we look like as a church if we fasted as a church, if we were faithful in our giving of our time and talents and energy 
and our, our finances? What would the church at Quail Creek be able to accomplish? What would our world look like? What kind of impact if you and I lived out these three things that we prayed, that we gave through serving Him and we gave of our finances, that we fasted, what would the world in which we live look like? I don't know about you folks, but I see that we're living in some troubled times in the world in which we live. And we as God's people, we better do something about it. You know, I'm concerned about my, about my grandkids and the environment they're going to be grow, that they'll be raised in and my great-grandkids to come. I'm burdened about the world in which we live. God help us. I don't know about you, but my prayer life could be better. My service could be better. I could be more faithful in the things that God has called me to do. I could become so broken about the world that I fast for what's going on in the world in which we live, the world in which my grandkids live and my children. Folks, if we want to see God move like He wants to move, we can't neglect prayer. We can't neglect giving, getting involved and giving of our finances. We can't neglect fasting. Father, all of these products promise different results. But Father, you have made promises to us that you would move in the world in which we live. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then I'll hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. God help us. This morning, I don't know (coughs) what God has put on your hearts, how He wants you to respond to this very, very simple message. I don't know what God is doing in your life, but I know what He's done in my life, the burden that He's given me for prayer and for giving and, and for fasting. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not connected to the church and you're looking for a church home. I would love to see you come and to be a part of the church at Quail Creek where God is moving in a mighty way. 
where we're going to make a difference in the world in which we live. Not that we're going to, but that we are doing it right now. Reaching people all across the world with the love of Christ. Maybe you're here this morning and you're in that dark valley. Maybe you've just drifted away from your relationship with the Lord. He's right here, ready to take you into His arms. So whatever decision you have to make today, I pray that you can do it right there in the pew where you're seated. Or you can come to the front. There'll be some that'll be here to pray with you. Maybe there's a decision that you need to make today. I pray that you would do it. If you're looking for a church home, come and be a part of Quail Creek. Now, Father, we pray your blessings on this time. For it's in the precious and holy name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.